This morning we're going to be talking about uh, wisdom in words. So we're going to look and see what the book of Proverbs has to say about the, uh, the topic of words. And uh, words are an interesting thing. They are something that we use every day. We do a lot of different things with words. Um, obviously, we, we talk to each other. We communicate with each other. But uh, the, the variety of communication, the variety that we have with our, with our words and with our language is just uh, amazing. Um, the fact that there are different languages throughout the world. Um, I'm, I'm speaking to you in English. Hopefully you understand that. Um, but, and I don't know if you've ever had this, this experience, uh, if you've ever gone to another culture or been around a lot of people who are speaking another language, sometimes it's just amazing to go, man, I can't believe that all those, all those sounds and all those things that are coming out of their mouth like communicate the same ideas and the same thoughts and things as the words that come out of my mouth because they're totally different. And yet, even though the, the words can be different, the, the thoughts and, and the ideas are the same. And communication through, through words is really uh, an amazing thing. And it is, a, I think, one of the, the evidences of just the, the incredible creativity, the incredible intelligence of our God, who has given the, us the ability to communicate to each other. Now, if you've been around for a little while, you probably have uh, heard this phrase before. So finish it for me, okay? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. This phrase has been around for a long time. I, I don't know exactly when it started or who coined the phrase, but it's pretty common. And... The idea behind there, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is that you, you could do something to me. You could run up here with a, with a bat, and you could actually hurt me. You could do some sort of violence, and I would be, have to go to the hospital, get, get a cast, something like that. But, so the saying goes, words, they aren't as scary as that because they don't hurt. They're just, they're just words, Right? I mean, they go in one ear and they can go out the other ear and just have no effect on me. You can say the meanest thing in the world to me and it can have no effect, right? Yeah, kind of, right? <laughs> How true is that, is that saying? That's not very true because I'm sure that many of you are sitting out there and you're thinking, well, wait a second. You know, I've actually heard some words that, that really hurt. And in fact, it's really hard for me to forget those words. And, and not only that, but man, those, those words affect the way that I process different situations. Um, they affect the way that I think about myself. They affect the way that I treat others? Is it true that words will never hurt you? Absolutely not. 
It's, it's false. Words are important. Words are significant. Now, that phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's kind of an, an older saying, and that's kind of one extreme, saying that, that words are nothing. What we have today in our culture, in our society, is that the, the pendulum has swung. We've gone from the, the common thought being, you know what, they're just words, they don't hurt, I can get past this. We, we've swung way to the other side now. And now, yeah, you better be careful what you say. Because if you say anything that offends me in any way, you're going to hear about it. And not only are you going to hear about it, but you may be penalized, you may be fined, you may be um, asked not to come back to wherever you are. There are huge consequences for words in our society. We have, we've swung from words are nothing to words are everything. And, and it's so sad to see some of the headlines that are out there. Um, you know, people committing suicide. Why? Because, well, reportedly, because of words said to them by other people. It's horrible. It's awful. Words can hurt. But what is the truth? I mean, where it, are words nothing or are they everything? I think there's a balance, right? Words are important. We need to be careful with what we say. We need to be careful with how we say it. But we also need to use reason and use judgment. And fortunately, the Bible talks a lot about words. And the book of Proverbs talks a lot about words. And I'm not even going to be scratching the surface with what I cover today. There's a lot that is said in the book of Proverbs concerning words. So what I want to do today is just kind of look at the importance of words and then give some, some practical uh, examples from the book of Proverbs about um, you know, how we as Christians, as, as people who uh, claim the name of Christ, how should we use our words in today's society? So let's pray and then we'll, we'll get moving. Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here to, to look at your word and to um, see what you have to say about words and their importance and how we should go about using them in our everyday lives. Lord, I pray that we would learn today. I pray that you would open our hearts, open our, our minds to, to conviction if needed. Lord, give us the, the strength to, to change if we have fallen into uh, bad habits with, with our words. Lord, help us to understand that there is significance in what we say, the things that come out of our mouths. Help us to take responsibility for those things that come out of our mouths. Lord, it's not a, a neutral thing, the words that we say. So, Help us to know 
how to speak in a way that pleases you, in a way that is wise. Lord, just uh, by your spirit, enlighten us today, we ask in your name. Amen. So just to uh, kind of further, um, further show you how far the, the pendulum has swung from words will never hurt me, there was an article written July 18th in The Atlantic, and uh, the name of the article is Why It's a Bad Idea to Tell Students Words Are Violence. Now, I don't know how up you are on, on you know, current events, but this is a real hot topic in college campuses around the country. Uh, you'll definitely see it in the headlines and all that kind of stuff, but there are a lot of people pushing for the idea that um, your words and the use of your words should be considered the same as a physical act. So if you say something against me, whatever against me means, it is the same as just walking up and punching me in the face. In this article, the, the two authors, uh, Jonathan Haidt and Greg, I'm not even going to try his last name, um, talk about another article that was written in the New York Times, and that article was called, When Are Words Violence? And that was written by Lisa Feldman Barrett. There are two points in this argument that, that they bring out, and Lisa Feldman Barrett is a psychologist, uh, somebody who's, you know, very smart and has done lots of studying things. And, and she, she basically had um, these, these two points that she made within her article. First point was that chronic stress can cause physical damage. True or false? Chronic stress can cause physical damage. True, right? Okay, so if chronic stress can cause physical damage, words can cause chronic stress, correct? Yeah. Therefore, words are an act of physical violence. Hmm. Does that work? It's, it kind of seems like it does. Um, but wait a second. Those of you who are students out there, what else causes uh, chronic stress or could cause chronic stress? Homework, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. If you've got a lot of homework and you're stressing about it, that can cause all kinds of stuff, ulcers, headaches. So if that's true, that that stress from your homework can cause physical symptoms, you have the perfect excuse, students. You can go up to your teachers and you can say, hey, you know what? Your signing me homework is actually an act of physical violence because the result of it is that I have an ulcer. Same logic, right? And what, what else causes stress in our lives? There are so many things that cause stress in our lives and can lead to headaches, ulcers. So are they all physical acts of violence? No, right? However, just 
taken at face value, the first time you hear that, that kind of sounds like a good argument, right? But it's not. However, this is a leading psychologist in our culture, writing in the New York Times saying words are violence. And, and you know, this is, this is where people are going. And, and the implications of that are kind of scary, right? Because if I have a different viewpoint than you, and I say, well, actually, I don't think so, then you could rightly say, well, you know, 911, I've just been assaulted. You know, and, and it's on one hand kind of funny, but on the other hand, it's scary. Not only did she say that in the, art, in the article, but uh, a second point that she made was that she said she admitted that some short-term stressful situations can be healthy. Like you can grow, you can learn from some stressful situations, but other short-term stressful situations can intensify the overall chronic stress of somebody. Therefore, college campuses are right to cancel speaking events that would cause undue stress. Part of this whole argument is, uh, comes from the fact that there are uh, college campuses all over the country who are, are basically banning certain speakers from coming onto their campuses because those speakers are going to talk about things that other people don't agree with. Now, yes, a lot of those speakers, um, they're not necessarily Christian, but a lot of them are, you know, uh, are pretty conservative. They're coming to talk about conservative values, and the colleges say, no, we don't want that here. You're going to inflame our students, and so we will not have that. Well, you know, what's, what's the problem there? The problem is, like, who decides what agrees with students and doesn't agree with students. You know, so if you have a, a liberal university and they say, we only want liberal speakers to come, you're getting a one-sided education, right? And you have, if you have a conservative university that says, we only want conservative speakers and we will not have anybody else, you're getting a one-sided education. And isn't education supposed to be two-sided? I think so. And I realized that this could go, we could have a long discussion on this, and I don't want to get too political and too uh, up in arms about uh, the things going on, but I, I bring up this, this article and these things because um, the significance of our words, especially in our day and age, and in the culture in which we live in, is becoming more and more important. Whether we like it or not, whether we agree with the reasoning, we need to be thoughtful with the way that we use our words because of the culture in which we are surrounded. The Bible speaks a lot to the power of words. Um, Getting into our first proverb, if you look at Proverbs 18, 20, you can flip there if you want to. Uh, I'm going to be going all over the place, so uh, if you want to just take notes and write down all the Proverbs, go ahead. You don't have to flip to them. 
But Proverbs 18.21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Um, you know, this, this proverb, again, proverbs are just, um, they're wisdom. They're not uh, stone cold, like this will happen, this won't happen. They're general wisdom and their guidance from God. And he says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So does that, you know, if you say to somebody die, does it kill them? No, but he's saying there is extreme significance in the power of the tongue. Words are important. They are powerful. They have an effect. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Now, love it, what are they talking about? Well, loving the, the power of the tongue. So if you, if you love the power of the tongue, you will, you will eat its fruits. And those fruits can be either good or bad, right? They can be life or they can be death. And I would encourage you, choose life. We want to be those who use our words to, to bring life to others, not death. That would be anti-biblical if we were people who used our words to bring death or um, discouragement or, or other negative things. Proverbs ten eleven: the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The mouth of the righteous is a, is a fountain of life. Right. The words, again, that, that we can speak can bring life, can bring joy, can bring peace. They can be an amazing thing. Words bring life or they bring death. A couple of other interesting points about words in the Bible. God created using words. And God will destroy using words. If you look at Genesis chapter one, it says over and over and over again in the account of how God created, it says God said, or God spoke. He used words and I don't know exactly how this happened, but he commanded and things came to be. It shows authority, it shows power, it shows um, the, the effect that words can have that God says, all right, there's nothing, but let there be light. And what's, <laughs> and there was light, right? And, and he goes through all of creation and he says, all right, we got this earth and there's waters and now let's see, waters, you go over there, earth, you stay there. Oceans, land, you know, and it's like, Man, that's crazy. Just to be able to speak and have things happen. There's a, you know, probably a good movie in that somewhere. God said and things happened. If you flip to the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, talking about Jesus and his return, it says, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. The, the picture there is that everyone has, has gathered together armies and they are going to one last rebellion against God. And it doesn't say, you know, Jesus came down in his um, 
attack helicopter and nuked everybody or it doesn't, you know, he didn't pull out, well, it does talk about a sword, but where does the sword come from? It, from his mouth. It's his word. And he, I don't know what he's going to say, but he's just going to basically, you know, say, all right, guys, stop. And everything just stops, you know. They're gone. They're annihilated at the word of Jesus. Words are, are powerful. They're significant. God uses words to do amazing things. In fact, in John chapter 1, who is referred to as the word? Jesus. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It's not talking about you know, some sort of book or something. It's talking about the person, Jesus. He is known as the Word. And he was there at the beginning. And he was God. And he is the Word. And then John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This Word that was with God in the beginning became flesh and bone. And he lived a perfect life on this earth. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And he rose again on the third day. And this is the word of God that did that. And the important word that we need to tell everybody is about the word who came and did that. Is that confusing? <laughs> the word that should be on our lips is Jesus. We should be telling people about who he is, about what he has done, about his power and his might. He is the word. Not only all those things, but God has chosen that, that his primary form of communication with us is words. Have you ever thought about that? What has he given us? To know him. To know what he wants, to know his thoughts and his desires and his plan. He's given us the word, right? And we read it. And we know who God is because these words communicate to us. They tell us things. Not only do we have the word to communicate to us from God, but the gospel is communicated through what? Through words, right? Um, you can't just walk up to somebody who is, uh, you know, unsaved and say, well, hey, you know, are, are, are you a Christian? And they say, well, no. And you go, okay. Try as you may, you're not going to get the gospel from your brain into their brain. <laughs> what do you have to do? You have to open your mouth, right? You have to use words. And you have to tell them about who Jesus is, about what he's done. It's God's salvation is communicated through words. Romans 10 verses 13 and 14 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never 
heard. And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? God's plan in this whole earth is to save people. He, he wants people to come to a relationship with him. He wants them to recognize their, their sin and, and their need of a savior. And the way that that happens is through words. And the spirit working inside somebody's heart and mind opens their eyes to the, the importance and the significance of the words Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins, right? I, I mean, you could say that sentence to 100 people and you'll have varying effects, right? Some people will just be like, mm, whatever. Some people will go, yeah, I know. And others will, for the first time, through the power of the Spirit, understand and go, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Me? Yeah, you. And it happens through words. So are words important? Absolutely. And just like Uncle Ben says in Spider-Man, what does he say? With great power comes what? Great responsibility, right? There is enormous power in words. There's an enormous strength. And what do we do with that fact? Well, we have to realize that we have been entrusted with the use of our words. And so we need to be responsible with the way that we use those things. James 3, 6 through 10 says, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Well, that's a bummer. I guess we just quit then, right? No. <laughs> with it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. You know, if, if James had, had just stopped with the tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison, who can tame it? Then we would have been like, oh, well, I guess nobody can, so it doesn't really matter what we say. But no, he ends with my brothers, these things ought not to be so, which is a challenge for us who follow Christ to take this thing that is seemingly untamable and, and bring it into submission. And guess what? It can be done. It really can. Why would we even want to bring it into submission? Colossians 4, 5, and 6 Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Why even care about taming the tongue? Well, because God calls us to be wise towards how we interact with people. Right? He says, be wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. 
it really is important how we talk, the things that we say. We need to use our words wisely so that we reflect the word, Jesus, and draw others towards him. Our words can bring people to the word. And that is an amazing responsibility. It's an amazing opportunity. So, words are important. So, what are some things that, that we can do? Um, you know, what are some practical thoughts on words from the book of Proverbs? Let's dive into it. I have five basic categories for you. First thing is, words should be used appropriately. Proverbs 15.23 says, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. Words should be used appropriately. It says to make an apt answer. That, that word apt means appropriate or corresponding to the need of the situation. And it says that it's, it's a joy to a man. A word in season how good it is. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I really like fresh fruit. Like fresh in season fruit. And, and I think you probably know the difference, right? Um, you get this all the time. You may go to the store and you can pick up the, the biggest, um, nicest looking orange that's there and be like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a good one. But then you go and you peel it and it's like all dried out and nasty inside. You know what I mean? What's the problem? It's not in season, right? It's like an orange that was picked two years ago and you know they rub wax on it to make it look nice and stuff. But when you get an orange that's in season and you take the peel off and you're just like, oh yeah. And you put that section in your mouth and it's so juicy and it's sweet and it tastes amazing because it's in season, right? It's, it's ready. And the Proverbs are saying our words can be like that. If, if they correspond to what the situation needs, our words can be sweet and juicy and like lively, and fresh, but they need to correspond with the situation. They should be appropriate. So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, you know, I got a question about the resurrection. I've always wondered, and you say, ah, oh, your shoes are dirty. Get out of here. What are you doing? Like, is that an apt answer to that person? No, it's like, it, it doesn't correspond. It's, it's kind of cruel and mean. And like, they're coming asking about the resurrection and you're saying your shoes are dirty, get out. Like, you know, what's going on there? Um, now that's kind of an, an extreme example, but we, we do this a lot it, with our words. We will switch focus. You know, we'll, we'll be talking about something and then we get, we get hung up uh, on a little thing that maybe doesn't really matter but we go for that instead of going for the more important issue that's at hand. And instead of giving an apt answer, an appropriate answer, we get 
distracted and we end up not giving an appropriate answer and we end up not showing people, you know, who God really is. Our words need to be appropriate. Some of the, the ways that they can be appropriate is that they have to be true. Proverbs 12, 19, truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. Truth lasts forever. Lies are here and gone, just like that. And the problem with the lies is that they, you tell one, and then you got to tell another, and then you forget what the first one was, and, and they're just like, they're, they're here and they're gone. But you tell the truth, and, and you don't have to think about like, oh, wait, what did I say? Oh, no, no, it's just, it's the truth. And it stays the same, right? Because it's the truth. So if somebody comes to you and, and you're talking to somebody, tell the truth. Give an appropriate answer in the fact that you are speaking the truth. Another way that, that our words should be appropriate is in, in our tone, the way that we say things. Proverbs 16.24 says, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I don't know if you've ever, you know, there's just certain people who, when you talk to them, like you could be talking about anything, but you kind of go away going, wow, that was a really nice conversation. You know, and it's like, it doesn't really matter what, the topic is, but their, their tone and the way that they speak and the way that they, they treat you as they're speaking with you, as their words are coming out, are just sweet. And, and they're healing. And you walk away going, all right, you know, I like that person. That's how our words should be. They shouldn't be harsh. They shouldn't be bitter. They shouldn't be, um, they shouldn't be words that, that would make somebody walk away going, ugh. I don't want to talk to that guy again. I don't like him. Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, you want to know a surefire way to, to stop an argument before it starts? Don't respond emotionally. Somebody comes to you and they have whatever and they're all angry or they're bothered and you answer in a soft tone. You don't rise to the same level that they're at. And guess what? It just deflates all the anger and, and everything and then you can actually have a conversation. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And this is, you know, especially important in parenting. You know, parents, I know that it's real tempting sometimes to, uh, to let those harsh words come. And for little things. You know, like, why am I yelling at my kid because they just accidentally spilled their cereal. Like, it, it really was an accident. Yeah, but it's the fifth time this week. 
yeah, but they're a child and they just accidentally spilled the cereal, right? I mean, come on. It's not the end of the world. But when you respond like it is, then guess what? Argument, problem, tension. You know, it's like, blah, don't do it. Soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If you yell at your kid for spilling the milk for the fifth time this week, guess what gets planted in their heart? Anger towards you because you're yelling at them. You're speaking harshly. Don't do it. It's not wise. It's not kind. It's not loving. It's not a lot of things. Don't do it. It's not appropriate. The response to spilled milk is, let me get a towel. Right? And if there's something they're doing wrong, let me show you how to eat cereal. <laughs> you know? Correction? Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. But not harsh. Another way to, to make sure that your answers, your words are, are appropriate is to consider your audience. Proverbs 17.10 says, A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Basically what it's saying is like, if you, you need to know and understand your audience and um, understand that certain people will react certain ways. And it says that a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. So if you're talking to somebody and you, you give correction, you give rebuke and it's like, and they receive it, then great. And, and it can happen easily. You can speak softly. You can give a soft answer to somebody and, and they can receive it and they can be corrected by it if they're somebody of understanding. If they're not, what kind of reaction are you going to get? No, excuses or anger or something. And then you go, oh, okay, all right. They didn't receive that. You know, I need to now use caution and use wisdom and not necessarily back down if it's like something that needs to be said, but go about it a different way. And, you know, and maybe just say, look, I'm not going to, I don't want to argue with you, but here is the truth, saying it in love. There you go. We'll talk later. <laughs> you know, there, there are ways to talk to a fool. They don't always receive it. It might take a hundred blows to the head for it to actually sink in. That's what this is saying. So just be wise. Who's your audience? Timing is important too. Uh, Proverbs 27, 14 says, Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. Even if you're saying something kind, if you are blessing your neighbor, if you come running in at four in the morning to whoever, you know, your roommate's bedroom or if you're a parent and you run into your kid's room and you're like, hey, I love you so much. 
most likely they're gonna wake up and they're gonna be angry and they're, they're not gonna listen to, hey, I love you so much. They're gonna be like, they're gonna count that as a curse. And, and what's, so what's this talking about? It's talking about timing. Like, it's not appropriate to run in early in the morning and shout a blessing at somebody because they're tired. <laughs> you just woke them up. So timing, you know, and, and this has all kinds of implications. It's not just early in the morning, but it's the husband comes home. He's just had a long day of work. He's used up his 400 words for the day. <laughs> Wives, timing. Husbands, <laughs> be flexible. Use 200 more. You know, but it, it, it's a timing issue. And, and all of these things, timing, your audience, your tone, uh, whether you're speaking the truth or not, all these combine to giving an appropriate or an apt answer. And Proverbs 15, 23, going back there, says, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. All of those things combined, you know, when, when we're talking, we should be thinking through these things. How am I speaking? Is this the appropriate time? Oh, don't get upset. Soft answer. You know, all of these things should be kind of running through our heads as we're talking to people. Another thing about words, so we need to use words appropriately. We should also use words sparingly. And like I just said, you know, you get home, you've used up your 400 words for the day. Um, th there have been all kinds of studies, and I found conflicting answers to this, but, um, you know, some studies say that men use about 7,000 words a day, women about 20,000 words. I don't know if that's actually true. I've seen other studies that say it's not. But, you know, there is a, a limited amount of words <laughs> that, that you use in a day. And unfortunately, most of the time we err on using too many words. When Maybe we should just be quiet. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Sometimes you just don't need to say something. And there can be many reasons why. Uh, it wouldn't be appropriate. Maybe the conversation is it's taken a turn that it shouldn't. And don't enter into that, you know, be somebody who is, is known for their quality of words rather than their quantity of words. It's generally a, a, a good thing to shoot for. Proverbs 17.28 says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Let me read that again. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. If you don't know something, don't talk like you do because you'll prove that you don't. There's a famous quote, it's, it's supposedly from Abraham Lincoln. And he says, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt.
Not only can you, you know, overuse words or talk about things that you really don't know about or, um, you know, just want to be cool and part of the conversation, uh, but there, there are some other good reasons to not use words. And one of them is too often our immediate response is words to somebody else. When our immediate response should be, let me make sure I understand and hear what has been said. So in order to understand, really understand people, sometimes we just need to shut our mouths. Proverbs 18, 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and his shame. And how many times has that happened where somebody says something, you immediately spout off something back, and then they go like, what are you talking about? Or they respond poorly or something, and then you, you, know, you find out, oh, I didn't, I didn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> you know, I had an idea in my head, and so I, boop, you know, but it was totally different than what they were talking about. Be quiet. Listen. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Proverbs 18, 15, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. If you are smart, if you are wise, you want to know what is this person really saying? You want to understand. And then Proverbs 18, 17, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Sometimes we need to, to be quiet and we need to hear the whole argument before we make a statement. One child says this, but it involves two children, so what should you do? Just hear one side and then make your decision? No, you hear one side, you hear the other side, you seek to understand. After you understand, then you talk, right? Unfortunately, we don't do that. We need to use words sparingly. Not only that, but we should use words with control. We need to be in control of our words. Uh, Proverbs twenty nine eleven: a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. It's not a sign of wisdom to be the guy who flies off the handle immediately and gives full vent to his spirit. That is not a sign of wisdom. A wise man quietly holds it back. Proverbs 12:16: "The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. How do you know if somebody's wise? Well, see how they handle an insult or somebody correcting them or something. Do they, are they immediately frustrated? Are they immediately fighting back? If they are, they're not wise. They're a fool. Proverbs 17, 27, whoever restrains his words has knowledge and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. 
All these verses talk about restraining your words, not giving that immediate, full, emotional response. Don't do it. The number of times that that has led to good is low. The amount of times that that leads to problems and arguments and you having to eat your words and all that, high. Don't be a fool. Control your words. Couple more things. Don't fight with your words. Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Fighting, quarreling, you know what that leads to? It leads to a castle over here, and a castle here, and a castle there, and a castle here, and no relationship between. Quarreling, fighting, divides. And it builds up strong walls that are hard to break down. And I know people who, you know, like really good friends. And then they get in a fight, right? And what happens? They never talk to each other again. It's not worth it. Don't fight. Don't quarrel. Seek to understand. Listen. Work it out. Use your words wisely. Proverbs 20, verse 3 says, It's an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Stay away from strife. Don't be the one to instigate it. You want to know if you're a fool? How many arguments have you had this last week? How many people have you fought with? It's foolish. Don't do it. Lastly, how can we be wise with our words? Don't use words to tear down. Proverbs eleven thirteen: Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. A fool is someone who tells everybody else everything about everybody else. It's foolish. And it'll lead to fights and arguments and quarrels and everything. You don't need to know everything about everyone. And everyone doesn't need to know everything about everyone else. Don't go around spreading all the latest gossip, the latest news. It's just... It's a waste of words. He who is trustworthy keeps the thing covered. If you find out something, if you know something about somebody else, keep it covered. What good is it going to do to tell other people? It's just going to stir up strife. It's going to stir up anger. It's going to be bad. Don't do it. Keep it covered. Proverbs 18.8. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Juicy gossip. Yeah. Everybody wants that one little thing that they can savor. And it just goes down deep. And you feel so good about yourself because they're so horrible. That is evil. 
It's not right. It's sin. Don't, don't enjoy those little morsels. Spit them out. No, I don't mean that, like, tell other people. <laughs> I mean, like, no, I don't want to hear. You know? I don't want to be involved in this gossip. It's, it's not going to lead to anything good. No. Don't take the candy. It's not worth it. Don't use your words to tear down. I could keep on going, I won't. <laughs> the Proverbs, there are so many that I, that I didn't even touch on, but just to you know, kind of recap, we need to use appropriate words in the fact that they are truth, in, in the way we say them, our tone. We need to consider our audience, our timing, appropriate words, appropriate answers. We need to use our words sparingly because they can show our foolishness and we also need to use our words sparingly so that we actually have time to understand people around us rather than just spouting off our ideas. We should control our words. Don't just give, here's my thoughts. Like stop, think, choose your words wisely if you have any words at all, and, and control what you say. It's not true that you can't control your words. Yeah, but I was angry. I don't care. And, and God doesn't care. Be angry and do not sin. Use control with your words. Don't fight. Don't use words to tear others down. And, and this is just, you know, like I said, this is just scratching the surface of what the Proverbs say about words. So I really encourage you, go read Proverbs. Look at what it says about words. And here's the, the last thing. In, in the Gospels, Jesus says something interesting. He says, it's out of the overflow of your heart that these words come out. And this is the real question. You know, a self-help person could come to the book of Proverbs and find a lot of cool sayings and go out and get on PBS and, you know, call it wisdom in words and he can have this whole show. And there can be a lot of people who start to practice these things. But is it about the practice of using your words wisely? Mainly, no. Because you can use words wisely in this world and go straight to hell if you have no relationship with God. You know, and, and that is what the, the Bible is all about and that is what the Proverbs are about is these things should be the outflow or the overflow of your heart. If you have a heart who, that understands who God is and what he has done for us through Christ Jesus, we're all sinners. We all deserve death. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23. What? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you understand that and if you accept it and if you call on him in repentance and say, you know what? What? 
I, I need you, God. Um, there's, there's no other way. You're it. Congratulations. You're, you're a part of the family. <laughs> God does a work in your heart and he, he changes what is old into something new and, and your sins are washed away and that, that new person that you are should crave this stuff, should want to speak wisely. And so it's not, yeah, I do, I speak wisely and I do this and I do that to, to be saved or to be, you know, uh, good in God's sight, but it is, man, my sins are forgiven. I realize who Christ is and what he's done. And because of that, I'm a new person and I love God and I want to do what he says. And so then you read his word and you see, oh, I shouldn't give full vent to my anger. So you don't do it because that's what a Christian does. That's what somebody who loves God, that is their proper response. So if you're here and you understand the gospel and you understand what Jesus has done, let's devour this stuff and let's live it. Let's do it because words really are important. And ultimately the, the goal of this isn't, oh man, Ryan is good with his words, but the goal is that we would be wise with how we talk to outsiders and that some of them would come to know the word through our words. Wouldn't that be amazing? And it can happen. And we can be good examples. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to look uh, at Proverbs and other scriptures and just to see what you say about our words, the things that come out of our mouths. Help us to be wise. Help us not to be fools in the way that we speak, in the way that we treat each other. And Lord, most importantly, I hope that, um, that we would understand this isn't an obligation, but it's something that, that flows from who you have made us. If we have a relationship with you, if we understand our, our need of a savior, Lord, then this is, this is bread and butter. This is what we should be devouring and wanting in our lives. Help us to use our words wisely. We ask this in your name. Amen.